How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronald. How's it? Yeah, Ronnie. So I had a lack of chilled weekend, some really good rugby, some really good super brew picks on my end too. Then bam, Monday comes and hits me on my way through Pretoria CBD to court today. My brakes go in my car. Now, justice. Justice. <laughs> justice, eh? <laughs> Can't put the brakes on in did super someone, So they have to have did, the car. Did someone, someone try to clip your brakes as revenge? That's all the bragging that you did. But I mean, how frustrating are those mid-month random expenses that pop up now? You can be the most financially savvy person in the world. And then there comes something along the road. Replace your brakes. Take it in. Guess what? It's not just my brakes. My shocks in my back are also gone. <laughs> I've had quite a Monday. Yeah, I took my car for a service the other day. It's, you know, my car is virtually brand new. It's only a couple of years. Two, three years. I think it's the first service outside the, uh, what, what do you call it? The service oh, really? deal. The service plan, the first service outside the service plan. And um, it turns out that I needed to spend almost 12,000 Rand on disc brakes. Yeah, you see. Uh, they don't understand it. I don't understand how they got that timing so spot on that it had to go the first service outside of yeah, my service plan. Remarkable that they can pull it off like that. Hey, it really, really is. But I had the good fortune of being given the yellow cap at my office today because I beat all the candidate attorneys in our super brew pool. Didn't you get the yellow caps for everyone? That's what I'm actually getting to is we've now received our rugby punted caps. So we've got our super so what I'm, caps that we're giving. I don't away. care what you have to say. I don't care what you have to say. What I'm trying to get to is you awarded yourself. It's like patting yourself on the back. Yeah, well, Ronnie, if you're that good and you're so low on the log, you know, you're barely even competition. That's just ridiculous. You shouldn't you should be, be allowed to get a yellow cap in your office pool because you've most likely rigged it, number one. And number two, you bought the present for yourself. Yeah, well, so be it. I've got the yellow cap now and I'm wearing it with pride, Ronald. Something you will never know. The okay, now, so, okay job, enough of that. Now, tell us about that. Yeah, so we've got the punted hats in. You'll have seen the Super Brew ones. Those ones, unfortunately, not for sale. Those are for our Super Brew pool yellow cap winners. We'll be giving those away on the show as the tournament draws to a close. But we also got some pretty cool punted Mayforktum caps. They came in and we're going to be selling those on our online store for 300 Rand, guys. So please, if you're keen to support us a little bit, go and grab yourself one of the hats. I know a few people did pop us messages over the weekend. They're quite keen to get their hands on them. So please, guys, yeah, that'll be really lacquer. Some good Mayforktum merch. Ronnie, that being said, you are off to France for the quarterfinals. Yeah, I'm very fortunate going to some of the quarterfinals and one of the semifinals. Are you going to be able to tell the Fijian boys to step it up a little bit there? That's how it's going to be. What a matchup. So, right, so that's Fiji versus England. I hope that they can replicate what they did a couple of weeks ago. And uh, oh, I can't believe I'm going to be so Fijian and I'm going to be so Argentinian too. Those and are the quarterfinals I'm watching. Heard from Gus that you and him, big Gus Creevy, have a dinner planned on Thursday night to like a T-bone there in Marseille. I'm going to give him a talking to as well because Los Pumas need to represent the South. Yeah, absolutely. He's invited me. He said, look, this is going to be a bit of an after party if they win. And I'm welcome to come. I said, I'll let the boys party on their own. Yeah, like it. So you're heading it early. Ronnie, let's dive into round five of the Rugby World Cup. It was the last one of the pool stages. Can you believe that 40 of the 48 games have now been played? Yes, you can. <laughs> the mathematician. <laughs> <in me. laughs> well, no, that's, that's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, the first run of the round saw the All Blacks take on Uruguay on Thursday. All Blacks with another thumping win, 73-0. 
150th test for Sam Whitelock. He has now surpassed Richie McCaw's record as the most capped All Black after equaling it the week earlier. Yeah, that was very noteworthy. But I believe what was more noteworthy was Uruguay almost scoring the first try. And it was so close. Inches. And uh, also holding the All Blacks out for the first 20 minutes of that game. It was nil-nil. Yeah, that was quite impressive from Uruguay. It seems like when they came up against the All Blacks and against France, they, they rose to the occasion for as long as they could. You're right, they put on a hell of a defensive effort to keep the All Blacks out early on. It looked like we'd all way overpicked this game on Superbrew by the 20th minute. You even popped me a WhatsApp and said, you know, we've stuffed this one up. Yeah, absolutely. I think I went for, I don't know, for 96 or something ridiculous. I think you went for 88. So, yeah, look, we overcalled it, but then the All Blacks switched on. So, then DMAC started playing really well and other players. Yeah, well, you mentioned DMAC there. I think he had quite a cracker of a game, and I've seen calls coming for him now to be starting for the All Blacks. Do you see him ousting good old Richie Moonga for that 10 jersey before they face Ireland? No, no, I don't. I actually see Bowden Barrett being left in the, in the hotel and DMAC replacing Bowden Barrett. Yes, sir. Everyone's lucky this is a voice-recorded <laughs> show because the smirk on your face getting one over on me there would... It would be good punishment, eh, Ronald? Oh, that would be hilarious. No, look, I think D-Mac's just one of those very good players that's just an unfortunate era, right? So he's got very difficult... Uh, he's got a lot of very good players to contend with. Damien McKenzie against the likes of Richie Moonga against Bone Barrett. You know, there's a whole bunch of other fullbacks and, 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 and backs that just are unfortunately in the way. But look, I, I like Ray, uh, uh, Damien McKenzie. I'd love to see him start. Well, I mean, he's likely going to get handed the keys to the kingdom next week, but not next week, next year, because Richie Moonga's off overseas, Bowden Barrett's off overseas. D-Mac's the only real 10 left. Yes, they've got some juniors coming through the ranks, but he'll probably get the keys to the kingdom next year. Another youngster, Ronnie, that is smashing records for the All Blacks is Will Jordan. I mean, that guy looks like he can score from anywhere. And that's one of the backs I was talking about, right? So you have to make sure that Will Jordan's in your team at this. If you're an all black, if you're an all black coach, if you're Ian Foster, you make sure that Will Jordan's in your team because he's a try scoring machine, right? He just seems to be able to score from anywhere on the field when it doesn't look like anyone's even able to score. Yeah, you've got to have him in your team. And uh, there's a big argument you've got to have both Barrett in your team. And then the question is is it Richie or is it Damian McKenzie at 10? And yeah, Richie Moga seems to be favored based on his performance with the Crusaders. Yeah, I think I've seen Will Jordan score more than Vic did at Hatfield Square back in the day. But I mean, lightning quick on the wing, combining well with Geordie Barrett at 12, the All Blacks are starting to look like a much more polished product than that which faced the box early and France early. Going to be a hell of a contest. But then also, Ronnie, a bit of a concern. We saw Tyrell Lomax get taken off the field. It looks like he may have been rushed back from that cut in his leg, some heavy, heavy strapping down there. Not too sure what the situation is with him, but hoping he'll be available for them going into the playoffs. Yeah, I thought it was a superficial wound. I thought it was flesh only. didn't realize that it may have damaged a little bit more, or maybe it was because the leg was immobilized for some time, that the muscles grew weak. I, I'm not sure where it was, but that was a bit of a concern. Absolutely. And you know, Ronnie, still looking at this All Blacks game, I feel like their backlines really come into it. They've gelled quite well. They're attacking with great flair and defending well. I just feel like the All Blacks pack is still struggling a little bit behind, you know, Guzzler, Sam Whitelock, not putting in the big shifts yet that we've come to expect from them. And they're going to need to step it up now. There's, it's go big or go home. It's the uh, 
precipice well, these guys test careers well it's a big word like marmalade but uh yeah nick i actually believe what we're witnessing here is a softening of the all blacks as a result of this lack of springbok competition that they were used to in, in super rugby yeah they're not having to contend so much with the wallabies that they're starting to lose some of that attritional warfare, trench warfare skill sets that they used to possess. Ronnie, let's then go over to France versus Italy. And this is a game that really got under my skin a little bit. France getting a 60 to 7 point win over Italy. What the hell happened to Italy at this World Cup? It's just, it's difficult to say, right? The France and, and the All Blacks are just very strong at this point. Although you, there's, there's an argument to say the All Blacks aren't as strong as they could be, but yeah, look, very strong. Italy was definitely the midpoint in an unfortunate group there. Yes, they could, uh, you know, they could take it to Uruguay, who was the other, who, and Namibia. But yeah, look, they were always up against it when it was uh, the All Blacks or, or France. You know, for me, the scary thing is when Italy and France played in February in the Six Nations, there's only a five-point difference in the score. Now you come to the World Cup, we talked Italy up. Yes, we didn't expect them to get out of the pool because of who their opposition was in the pool. But I definitely didn't expect complete annihilation by the All Blacks in France. I mean, these are scores we've been seeing against Tier 2 nations. And Italy's really now, you know, in that frame of, of being talked out of the Six Nations again. And now I firmly believe they've undone the progress they made. Well, I, I, when we talk next week, I could be wrong. But I believe what we've seen now and why the All Blacks put such a, uh, a thunderous score against the Italians is because the All Blacks are back. The All Blacks are going to the final. It's going, the All Blacks are going to be in the final of the Rugby World Cup and that's, they're going to beat Ireland. With that said, maybe next week I'm wrong. Um, with that said, I think the French are also very good, right? The French are very, and the game that you speak of in the Six Nations, I believe was an under, under strength French side. Right, they were resting a lot of players, playing a whole bunch of players. This is just this is a top performing French side in a must-win game against the Italians. They took it a whole, they took it up a whole new level. No, they definitely did. None more so than Damien Peno, player we've talked up a lot on this pod, but he really is on fire. He's a leading try scorer in the tournament at the moment with six tries, and you know he's now tied second with Vincent Clerc for France as 34 tries in the blue jersey so he's having a cracking tournament just while we're on him and looking at the tournament tries so he's got six then in fifth place we have Mac, louis reese samet and darcy graham so you know these guys they're competing to get that record that's held by jonah and brian of eight tries damien penner realistically could do it Mac could louis reese samet could darcy graham unfortunately has now bowed out of the competition ronnie what just, a, just a quick one you mean you mean second not fifth right Say that again. You meant second, not fifth. You said all those players, D-Mac, and they were fifth in the try scoring. They second with five tries each. Ah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you see Gregory Aldrit looking at the Italians and doing, you know, the Italian hand in their face? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was, yeah, that that was, was a quite funny. piece of comedy there. I really, really enjoyed that. Ronnie, a player that did very, very well for this French side, which concerns me a little bit for facing them was their hooker you know Marvaka. he was phenomenal for the french in this last round clash yes against weaker italian side but with the loss of malcolm marks that hooking position really is going to to be crucially important in the upcoming quarterfinal yeah absolutely look it's one it's a crucial position and it usually acts as, as an additional loose forward right 
If you don't have a proper two, you lose a lot. You lose a lot. Yeah. No, you're right there, Ronnie. Then if we take a jump over, Wales beating Georgia 43-19. Unfortunate injury to Anscombe before kickoff. He was withdrawn from the team. Dan Bigger then rushed in onto the bench. But the biggest loss of all, Salupe Fadletau, has been ruled out of the tournament. He's been titanic for the Welsh side so far. Huge, huge loss there. And I see they've replaced him with a scrum half. So Gats must be quite satisfied with the loose loose forward stocks that he has. But Wales topping their pool, Ronnie, and we weren't so certain of them heading into the World Cup undefeated in the pool stages. They did. They topped that pool and were through to the quarters of the game in hand. Right, So performed really well. Or you could argue that it was a, not a very powerful pool. No, definitely not a powerful pool. But even so, we were expecting, you know, maybe Georgia were going to throw a surprise in there. Wallabies didn't make it through. You know, it's it's yeah. it's definitely an interesting one. I'd also want to call you out while we're here with the based on that comment. A couple of months ago we did our predictions about which teams are going through, and I think you said to me that Fiji was going to go through to the uh is that right? You did yes. say Fiji were gonna go through out of the pool. But then I saw recently you put on a post was this morning where you said Fiji make it out of the pool. Didn't think I would say that. So I just want to call you out on that social media post. Yes, that's unacceptable. Doing, doing, doing your co-host dirty, hey, Ronald. It's a pity you don't have access to these recordings. Ronnie, I also thought, you know, Georgia had a good fight back in the 60th minute. Obviously, it's too late in the game to, to mount that kind of a comeback against what's now a settled Welsh side. But the Georgians did pick up and put on a bit of a fight that they can be proud of. But most impressive, yeah. and without a doubt, was George North and Liam Williams. They combined well, they handled the pressure well, they kept that back line in shape. And I think Williams, crucial at the back for Wales going into the playoff stages as well. Yeah, that said, Wales still let 19 points through. And that's a little bit concerning. You know, uh, uh, we, we, we agree that the, uh, that the Georgians are not as bad as they were in for many, many years. They're actually a very decent team at the moment. And there's, everyone's obviously made comment about them needing to be in the Six Nations or whatever or entering into some sort of competition somewhere. So, so with that said, you know, Wales should be concerned about the amount of points that they still let through, because now going into they were going to the knockout stages. If you let nineteen points through, you're going to lose the game. Absolutely, Ronnie. Then we go over to England versus Samoa, where we had the Samoan performance. I think we've all been waiting for at this World Cup, but England eking out an eighteen seventeen point win in that fixture. England were lucky. That's all I have to say. England were lucky with the bounce of the ball. That one try that was disallowed for the uh, the Samoans, which I learned that they could actually bring the. Uh, and they could actually reverse the try even after the conversion had been kicked. Uh, that's I now recall that something like that actually uh, came about, but I completely forgot about it. But, you know, had that ball bounce a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right or, or something, you know, it was on for Samoa and they, and they very easily could have come away with a win. And I think in many cases with many referees, they might even have let that try stand. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a shocker for the English. They did still manage to top their pool, also going undefeated. And we weren't so sure they would get out of their pool either with the lead-up that they had under Borthwick. But Nigel Awang, he was very impressive for Samoa. Two tries, very, very skillful with ball in hand. But it really was them sort of coming to coming into their own finally. And again, we come back to this. Is it because they've now had a few games together? They're getting some continuity because we know these Pacific Island teams are robbed of game time in the four-year cycle, and they only really get 
a long time together and to prepare together when it comes to the World Cup. So that could be what we're seeing here. But England, for the nation that they are, inventors of rugby, rugby's richest nation, a one-point victory over Samoa leaves them looking very vulnerable heading into the playoffs. My favourite part of that game was when uh, Owen Farrell's kick-foot post was disallowed for eating up too much time. Right? <laughs> oh, that shot a few episodes ago, I was complaining about that shot block and how, how Kerwin Bosch gives me anxiety <laughs> when he's leaving it so late. Let me tell you, I'm converted. I love it now. <laughs> I, I, just, it. I didn't think that they would call it back because it was it was seconds, right? It was the time ran up and then he kicked it through. And like It wasn't like the time ran up, he waited another five seconds and then kicked it. It was like that. And... Yeah. Uh, it, I was wondering how 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 hard that line was going to be, and now we know. If that shot clock is, if you haven't kicked by the time that shot clock reaches zero, you're not kicking that ball. Yeah, no, for sure. And then Ronnie, well, even with missing that kick, Farrell is now England's top point scorer. He pipped Johnny Wilkinson this weekend, and will probably still get a few more points in the tournament. Jack Willis suffering an injury yeah, look- from the English, though. He's been ruled out of the tournament, and they've called up Sam Underhill, which I think boosts their loose forward stocks quite well. Whether or not he'll feature in the playoffs, we're not so sure, but a good, a good selection call, I would say. Then over to the game that mattered most to us this weekend, Ronnie, with all the conspiracy theories surrounding it and whatnot. Ireland came out to hammer Scotland and ultimately won the game 36-14. What did you make of that one, Ronald? Well, firstly, I, I, I thought it was quite funny how exchanged before the game happened. You know, the permutations have been going for a while now and I've been on top of it. And then you came to me and you were like, no, I smell also, I smell a rat. And then we had a little bit of exchange and I explained to you that it was virtually impossible for the spring box to, to not go through. Until you said something, you said something along the lines of Johnny Sexton red card. Yeah. And I thought, wow, <laughs> wow, if that happens, the spring marks are going to be out. But yeah, look, it wasn't to be. So yeah, a little bit, little bit disappointed in the performance role of, of the Scottish. But yeah, this what this. Yeah, the Scottish could not handle Ireland at all. But also just on the cards that you mentioned, Ronnie, can we brag a little bit as South Africans? Zero cards received in the World Cup. The only team with a clean record in this tournament. And here we are called... I find that hilarious. I find that hilarious, especially a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about English traveler that we bumped into in in, in South Africa, who said to us, we asked him, what what is the perception that the world has of the Springboks? And he said, oh, that we're we're dirty players. Yeah. uh, yeah, We haven't got a card. I find that, I actually find that ridiculous. How have the Springboks not got any card whatsoever and every other team has? Yeah, no cards for the wicked, eh, Ronnie? So, Hugo Keenan, he had a massive game at fullback. He honestly won, is one of the most impressive players for me. And he's one of those that goes under the radar. He gets through so much work and really gets the praise for what he manages to achieve. But also massive games in the front row for Ireland. Andrew Porter was an immovable object. He's been watching France Malheur. Andrew Porter's great. Yeah. yeah. Dan Sheehan also returning to the starting jersey. You can see why he's their starting hooker, their preferred choice in that jersey. And then also Jamison Gibson Park was electric and he even made the shift to the wing once Mac Hansen was removed. Uh, James Lowe also going off with a, a rogue finger to the eye. So Ireland will be watching some injuries there. Their biggest concern though, however, seems to be James Ryan. He's struggling with a wrist injury. I understand he's undergoing scans today. So hopefully he'll be okay for them. 
But Ronnie, Scotland just gave Ireland too much quick ball. It was unbelievable. And Ireland fed off it. They were electric. They were all over. And Scotland, just like us in the early stages of a game, not able to capitalize on the moments they do have in the red zones. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, was, a bit, that was a little bit disappointing, right? And I'm sure that they'll go home and they'll say that they left a lot of opportunities on the field, a lot of opportunities that they didn't take. And that's, that's, that's the worst feeling, right? So rather take your opportunity and fail than not take your opportunity and still fail. And they'll be bitterly disappointed in their performance, right? Because, you know, they've got great players. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen them progress further in the tournament. But as the luck of the draw would have it, yeah, it wasn't to be. Yeah, Ronnie, then I have to ask you permission for something. Can I go on a little bit of a rant now? Yeah, if we're doing that all along. I just just thought I'd have some manners today for a change. But I need to talk here about Clive Woodward and some journalists in general with this clickbaiting nonsense. No, he's not a sir. This clickbaiting nonsense that goes on because I posted a simple graphic of the permutations on Punted and had a few people popping off at me that I'm a conspiracy theorist and clickbait and whatever. And I replied to them and I said, we are not about clickbait here. That's not who we are. We don't talk about players' personal lives, all of this stuff. We, that's that's our, our way of handling the sport. But then you come to someone like Clive Woodward, looks at this game and he's like, guaranteed South Africa to go home. Guaranteed. Just to get the bloody clicks out. And then you've got nonsense drivel being written by this guy about rugby all the time. How does he get a voice in this game, Ronnie? When was the last time he actually said something that validly contributed to the conversation. 2003, when he was the coach for England. Yeah, that was probably his last useful contribution to the game. <laughs> no, Clive. Huh? Yeah, look, but that's that's what they've said now. That England have been looking forward to a changing of the guard. You know, they've 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 overutilized that 2003 winning team now to the point where they need some fresh fresh blood. They need to win a World Cup so they can get rid of the, these guys now. But yeah, look, I agree to Sir, Sir Clive. I'll give him the honor that he deserves. Uh, Sir Clive has yeah, he said some ridiculous things over the last couple of years. Very ridiculous, actually. Absolutely ridiculous. Ronnie, then we go over to Argentina versus Japan. Los Pumas getting a 39-27 win there. A much-needed victory because this decided which of those two sides would make the playoffs. Argentina scoring in less than a minute signaling some good intent you know they did rotate the squad brought back a lot of the frontline players for this one and then we also had Carreras getting a hat-trick so great attacking attend from the Argentinians yeah look I think great attacking great showing intent I think that's the correct word that you use that the Argentinians showed intent and that was what we really worked to see from them a little bit earlier in the tournament especially when they played the likes of England and such but yeah look props to them I thought they did they played a good game but the Japanese were in it right so you know, it was only really at the end where it ran away a little bit from them. They were in it. They they could they could win it uh, still up to like the you know, 60 minutes or whatever it was. So it's a little bit disappointed in, um, in, in how they closed the game up. But yeah, well done to Argentina. Very happy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, Japan really were in it. I mean, Argentina scored that first try. But shortly thereafter, Japan got a massive big scrum penalty. And, you know, that would have really gotten them some momentum against the Argentinians who pride themselves on the set piece. But I think the Lapis Labuskakni yellow card really stole momentum from Japan in those closing stages. And ultimately, Argentina joining us and representing the Southern Hemisphere in the playoffs. Ronnie, then we go over to the final clash of Pool B, which saw Tonga face Romania. 
Both sides had been winless in the tournament up to this point. Tonga coming out 45 to 24 victors over the Romanians. Pretty good game, though. Yeah, pretty good game. And I'm glad to see the score, uh, a, a dominant score for Tonga over, over Romania. Look, they still led 24 points through, which is a little bit of a concern for them. But look, what do you expect from a team where, you know, their squad is made up of 20 different other rugby clubs? You know, that's, you know, they've got players from coming all over the world. There's no consistency. And for them to come together and still score 45 points, well done. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I thought, you know, George Mawala only managed to return from injury for this game. And he impressed the hell out of me. He was a menace with ball in hand, reminding us exactly what got him selected for the All Blacks back in the day. So you have to wonder if Tonga would have been a bit more of a fight had they had a fully fit squad, because also notable omission there was Israel Folau as well. So who knows how they would have fared. Then we go over to Portugal versus Fiji. And you know what? Portugal, well bloody done. They were my team of the pool stages. They were the tier two team. They really shouldn't have been at this World Cup. They came through. They showed that they belonged here. They put on some great efforts throughout the pool. And I'm actually so as sad as it is because we really love the Fijians here on our show. Great for rugby and great for Portugal to get a win like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said it right. First things first, we love, we love Fiji. We'll be supporting them. Uh, Flat out, but but look for Portugal. That was brilliant. Honestly, you can see when they kicked that ball out, sort of intensity which with, with which they celebrated was amazing to see. I didn't expect them to come away with a win, and I think even the Australians started to sit upright because they're like, "Oh, well, maybe we've yeah. got a shot here." Yeah, Eddie thought all his babble had, had actually gotten him somewhere. Because yeah, three all at halftime. It was an incredibly attritional fixture. The guys were at it. I was really impressed with some of the try stopping tackles. The Portuguese could put in on those Fijians because those are some big boys that were running at them. But moment of the match, Ronnie, and obviously the smartest, best-looking player on the field pulled it off. Mike Tadger, the hooker for <laughs> Portugal, kicking that ball that was boots. incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that usually just happens when the brain switches off a little bit, and then the prop actually kicks the ball, and then when his brain comes it comes on again, he says, "What did I do? I don't know what, what happened. I blacked out for a moment there." So I don't think he intended to do any of that. But I think Portuguese history and hero going forward, Samuel Marquez, he got the late conversion after Portugal scored in the dying minute and converted it to hand Portugal a 24-23 first ever World Cup win. Portugal almost came away with, with the second win of the tournament. Had they actually beaten Georgia, yeah, they could have they had two, two games in there. Absolutely. Ronnie, do you have our Super Brew log there for us? Who are our top three at the moment? So I'm in second place. So that's what you're asking for. Still second from the bottom, right? Okay. So in third place, we've got Nugget Brew on 48 and a half points. In second place, we've got Gareth. Gareth doesn't have a profile picture, but Gareth at 48.75 points. And in first place, we have Juan44, who seems like he's holding a big fish in his profile picture. He's up 50 points. A nice round 50 points. Yeah, Laka Juan, you're our superest of brews at the moment. So please get in touch with us. We've got some Laka punted May Fokchon merch coming your way. Yeah, Laka, guys. So that's our top three for Super Brew at the moment. Um, Ronnie and I are also very happy to announce that we've got Keep Moving Apparel on board with us at the moment. They're going to be sponsored. That's very cool. Socks. Yeah, check them out on Instagram, guys. They've got some really incredible socks. Pop onto their website. Very, very affordable. You can go and grab some on there. But if you don't want to go and buy, 
play in our Super Brew Pools, join us. There you can win. And each of our packages going out will contain some of their bulky socks. So get involved, guys. Beat Ronnie and win some socks. Why not? And I'm sure if you can get 30 people to follow us on our socials and prove it to us, we'll, I'll convince Nick to also send you some socks. There we go. Ronnie will be able to twist my arms for that one. But yeah, guys, join us for the URC Super Brew. That's the new competition we've got going. Already about 1,400 brews in that pool. The pool code is WIMP minor that's w-i-m-p-m-y-n-a it is plastered all over the socials guys so if we didn't pronounce that too well or our spelling sounds a little off you can check it out there ronnie are we going to quickly go through the pools then and have a little summary of of what we thought who ended where i'll take pool a for starters go for it so pool a france the hosts coming out on top they managed to score 18 out of a possible 20 points in the pool so very, very well done to them. You're looking at me like my maths is wrong, Ronald. I'm looking at the screen, sorry. My camera's over here. Just... <laughs> you can see you've given me a comment your on my mathematics now. <laughs> Ronald's face is on the right here. So. Then we've got New Zealand. They also three wins from four. They have a huge points difference in their favor, but ultimately only 15 out of a possible 20 points. That sees them in second place. Italy down in third, Uruguay in fourth, and Namibia a lowly fifth. You know, the top three teams automatically qualify for the next World Cup. So Italy will be through, they'll be quite relieved. But Uruguay and Namibia will now have to play some World Cup qualifiers to make their way through. So whilst making the playoffs is obviously the ultimate goal, you also want to make sure you end in that top three. What do you have for us in Pool B, Ronald? Yeah, so Pool B, this is the one we've been most concerned with. Roe Okay, we'll do it in the order that you did. So we've got Ireland at 19 points from, from four wins, missing out on, on just one point somewhere along the line. We've got South Africa in second place, three wins from four matches on 15 points, missing out quite a number of bonus points and also losing uh, against Ireland, which was unfortunate. Scotland in third place, you know, they were competing right up until the end, of winning half their games, two from four on 10 points. In fourth place, Tonga. One win, which was against Romania most recently. Impressive win for them, and they got a full stack of points there, five points for them. And right at the bottom, unfortunately, Romania being winless, not coming away with anything, and not even a bonus point, and not zero points. Yep. Then we go to Pool C, Ronald, where we have Wales topping the pool, which is a little bit of a surprise. You know, also 19 out of a possible 20 points in that pool so only missing one bonus point otherwise they would have had a full house uh equaling the points ireland managed to get yard maybe a different scale of pool but from where wales were at the start of the world cup yeah to where they are now i think gats will be very very proud of the boys second place and qualifying for the playoffs fiji fiji getting two wins from four so 50 percent win record they managed to edge out the aussies on a head-to-head they both finished on 11 points Fiji seem to have been struggling a little bit for me as the tournament's gone on, so I hope they're going to pick that up. Wallabies, they would have been excited watching Portugal, but they did finish in third place, so they at least qualify for the next World Cup, even if it is at home. Portugal then surprising me and finishing second from the bottom with a total of six points, one win from four. And then Georgia, who I said could potentially get out of their pool, clearly don't listen to this podcast because they went zero from four (laughs) and finished with a lowly three log points. Yeah, well, it's still got three log points, though, right? We just saw in the previous two pools, the bottom of the log uh, team didn't get any points. So it seems like this was quite a competitive pool. No, for sure, for sure. 
What does Pool D have for us, Ronnie? The one that's never had a World Cup winner. You enjoy that stat, hey? You have, you've seen that a couple of Almost times. Almost as much as I enjoy the fact that the Griffins beat the Bulls. I don't, I don't know if you've heard about that, but the Griffins beat the Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so first day is England. You know, four wins from four. Uh, two bonus points. Missing out on two bonus points as well. A uh, total of 18. In second place, Argentina, only recently reaching that second point, that second place mark. They've got three wins from four matches on 14 points. And then Japan, unfortunately, not winning against Argentina. Unfortunately, if you are an Argentinian, uh, two matches from four on nine points. Samoa, uh, almost, almost, almost beating, beating England and then ending up in third, third place. Automatic qualification then, but yeah, look, so Samoa gets one win from four games and that's seven points in total. And then Chile, who's also impressed us somewhat, fortunately not getting any points whatsoever. Yeah, so at this point, I think it's important to point out that all the top teams in the pool are from the Northern Hemisphere. All the second teams are from the Southern Hemisphere. So we're going in 4-4 into the playoffs. And it's really going to be sad for the Northern Hemisphere to have had the top team in each pool and no one in the semifinals. <laughs> Sorry, I just need to actually confirm that that is absolutely right. That is right. France, New Zealand, Ireland, South Africa, Wales, Fiji. Look, we planned that properly, right? So we didn't want to kick each other out in, in the uh, quarters. We wanted to see each other all in the semis. So that's what's going to happen on all Southern Hemisphere semi semi-final. Everyone was looking at the Irish-Scottish game for the conspiracy. No one pictured what was going on with us Southern Hemisphere <laughs> sides. <laughs> uh, Played chess, not checkers. Exactly, exactly. Well, Ronnie, now that we know who's through to the playoff stages, I think it's an important aspect of the show that we take a look at the upcoming quarterfinals with a bit of prediction and some chat about the games, what we're expecting. First up is Saturday, 5 p.m., that game kicking off in Marseille. Yes, Ronnie, you are going to be at that game, screaming for the Los Pumas. But big, big clash, Wales versus Argentina. Yeah, look, I'll be uh, I'll be handling my inner in in Argentinian side. So I'll be supporting them. I reckon I'm going to buy myself a jersey too. Augustine Creamy will just uh, give me one of his old ones, I'm sure. But yeah, look, absolutely, it's going to be a big clash. Yeah, it's going to be a titanic battle. And I mean, Wales playing Warren Ball, they're very good at this attritional style. We know what Wales have dished up in playoffs gone by, and I'm sure they've got something up their sleeves. Hopefully, Argentina can draw on some of that BMT that we've seen from them when they've beaten the All Blacks. They beat England at Twickenham last year. They've got it. They just need to use it. I'm backing Los Pumas win, but a very, very tight, maybe up three points to thanks to the boots of Emiliano Bofelli to get Argentina through this one. So you reckon Argentina's going to win? Yes, I do. It's part of the conspiracy, Ronnie. Come on. No, you should. Sure. Sure. Okay. Then Saturday night, we have a titanic battle at the Stade de France. We have Ireland facing New Zealand. Now, this is going to be a big battle. Ireland will, will remember won the Test Series in New Zealand last year. New Zealand will be baying for blood in this one. I'm going to let you handle the prediction, Ronnie. What are you expecting? Yeah, the All Blacks have this. I already said it. Like I said it at the beginning of the podcast, the All Blacks are going all the way to the final. So, um, look, maybe next week I could be wrong. It's the All Blacks have this. Yeah, I'm also going to go with you. I think the All Blacks are going to take this. Ireland, an incredibly good side, but I think the mental hurdle can't be overestimated. Plus the fact that a wounded All Black side really isn't something you want to contend with. 
you could see it how happy all the South Africans were that we weren't facing New Zealand in the quarters. And yeah, it's going to be one hell of a fixture regardless of who wins. Let's be serious though. Let's be serious. Ronnie, then we go over to Sunday and another game you're going to be at, and that is England versus Fiji. Now, Fiji beat England in the last warm-up fixture before the World Cup. It was their first ever victory over the English. England have come a long way. Portugal beat Fiji, so Portugal, in theory, has beaten England now. That's how it works. Simple mathematics. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. But I think, you know, England, they're a different side to that which was going on in the the warm-ups. They've got a little bit of momentum now, four wins under the belt. Fiji dropping two games, especially the one against Portugal being an uncharacteristic loss for the Fijians. What are your predictions for this one, Ronnie? Can Fiji do it? Can they pip the English? I really want them to, and I'll definitely be supporting the Fijians. I'll be, you know, I'm going to find myself a crowd of Fijians and party with them. But, you know, it's a big ask. The English have been here before. Yeah, I, 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 it's, gonna, it's a tough ask for the Fijians to beat the English, but yeah. I'll be, I, I don't really, I don't really want to say it. I don't want to upset our listeners. Yeah, let's leave that one off then, because we really do, do love the Fijians. Then, Ronnie, top clash, the unbelievable event and why it's on a Sunday night at 9pm. I'm going to have to take leave for Monday. France versus the Springboks, started up France, kicking off 9pm Sunday. Titanic battle. France narrowly edging the box last year in Paris. Peter Steph to Toy got a red card in that game. And, you know, this is going to be a very tight one, Ronnie. France have a pack that can contend with the Springboks. They really are good. Antoine Dupont cleared today to return to the French side. He's likely going to be starting and captaining them then. What are you making of this test, Ronnie? It's a difficult one because uh, yeah, I saw Rassi on Twitter today thanks the, the, the host and hostess of where they were staying. And I think that's just an attempt to try and it's a good favor from the general public and from French people in general because it's going to be it's going to be very very difficult week for the Springboks. You know, the 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 whole the whole of France is going to be anti Springbok until the end of the game. So with that said, it's a tough ask for the Springbok, and, and I'm not going to make a prediction because every time I say something, it seems the opposite happens. So I'm just going to keep quiet. But also, don't want to jinx this one, so I'm not going to make a prediction. We all know what's in our hearts, but Ronnie. You know, by the time this episode airs, the team will have come out. So I don't want to spend too much time debating on the selections. But I just want to hear from you. Does Lukanya Am start? No. Does Andre Pollard start? Yes. Does Jasper Visa start? Yes. Oof. Okay. I, don't, I think Dwayne has to start. I think Jasper, as much as we love him, hasn't had the effect in this World Cup that we've seen from him last year. Dwayne has been stellar for the Boca. I'd like to see him starting. Lucanio Am, unfortunately, I don't think can justify making the starting team. Pollard, it's going to be interesting to see if we go for Marnie or Andre and which of them features on the bench. But I do expect both of them to be in the 23. Yeah, so let's let's just agree. It's probably not going to be a 7-1 split, right? It's, no. it's going to go down to a 6-2 split and it definitely won't be a 5-3 split. Like we need, we need our forwards to print up. So a 6-2 split. So... That only leaves two positions for a backline player, and which backline player are you going to be there? It's Billy LaRue, Damien Billimsa, right? There's one, one or the other, right? So it'll be there. Well, you see, I'm uh, going with Paul Griffin. Because if you go for a 6 okay. 2, you've got two backs, you've got Kurbus Reinach in the one, then you're going to put Marnie or Andre in the other. That means Billy LaRue or Damien Billimsa doesn't make the match day 23. Yeah, okay, but you, you believe that we need a scrum off. We don't need a scrum off. 
Well, we did take five right. games, so clearly the Springbok management think differently. <laughs> yeah, well, we had we had five good scrum offs, and uh, we had a couple of injured players, so we just filled it with scrum offs or scrum offs slash wings. But look, you're going to put a utility back in Damien Willems that needs to obviously feature, and then the if you if not Andre if if Marty Lebok starts at ten, then Andre Pollard has to be the twenty two jersey, right? So that's my two backs. I think we might see the 5-3 in this one, to be honest with you, Ronnie. Well, you're wrong. Why would you see a 5-3 against the French? Oh, my name doesn't make up two-thirds of the spelling of the word wrong, at least. Ronnie, so now, long-time charm of the show, Leanne Forbes, she wrote in today asking us about the jerseys. Why are the Springboks not getting to play in the green and gold and other teams are? Leanne, it's unfortunately something we also don't understand because when you look at Scotland playing in the dark jersey versus the Irish in the, in the green, we don't understand why the box couldn't face the Irish in that. I think the Boca are going to play in the away jersey against France now. Ronnie explaining, you know, the, the pickers based on the team that finished highest on the log, they're considered the home team. Very difficult to understand and to explain. I personally but think it's very difficult. We'll do- We'll do more in research, right? We'll come with a proper response. Um, yeah, so we did only something just before recording. So like Ronnie says, we will do some more research on it and give you a better answer next week. But at the moment, it seems a little bit ridiculous, hey, Ronald? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it just doesn't quite make sense. And I think my dad actually said it, and it made total sense for me. The honor of playing in your, your home jersey should always be given to the reigning world champs. I absolutely agree. 100 percent brilliant idea talking about embarrassing though this whole saga with WADA, the world anti-doping agency and south african government not having incorporated and updated their legislation since the first of january 2021 this could potentially see us losing the well right ability whatever you want to call it to sing our national anthem at the world cup as well as fly the national flag I'm not sure if they'll be confiscating Fuff Speedo or not, but this is a problem. And we've only got till the 13th of October to sort this out. Yeah, look, I, it doesn't all quite make sense to me, for sure. I don't understand what it all, t- what it all entails. But look, it's, can we still play a spring box? I mean, you know, we might have to drop the Protea since that's our national sports emblem. We can we'll probably still be known as the spring box. Well, the inadvertent result of this could be that they have to engrave Springboks on the World Cup trophy and not South Africa. No, that's quite this huge joking. <laughs> that's a potential outcome of this. That's hilarious. That is that, hilarious. That would be the most inadvertent, ridiculous result that our government has ever achieved. There's no doubt about that. So, Ronnie, just a few last thoughts then of things that have happened over the weekend you know we've seen now the cheetahs beating the western force they took three from the four victories against the force in that competition they were running it was the final game there and you know the cheetahs hobbies for saying you know this will be good prep for the challenge cup which they're set to play in later this year box will be playing england in november 2024 it's our first opponents for next year that have been announced already england securing games against the wallabies south africa and new zealand in november so that'll be a busy one for them. Then Stormers beating the Sharks 33-21 in a coastal derby warmer. Bit disappointing from our boys, but it is just a preseason. I see Salman Murat, who was named Stormers captain, is out currently with an injury, so he hasn't been playing. And Ronnie, your final thoughts. Eddie Jones, is he going to stick with the Wallabies for the British and Irish Lions and the upcoming World Cup in Australia, or is he going to get the boot after the review? 
No, he's got a contract till the end of the next World Cup. So you say he's staying around? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're tying that wallaby down, mate. (laughs) And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bra while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all, light the bra, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.